I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed, ready to talk more Raiders football uh, after Vic and Deshaun actually got to watch a couple days of practice and pads. Uh, the Raiders put on the pads earlier this week. Uh, Wednesday was a day off for them, but uh, you guys got to see them on Monday and Tuesday. Hit a little bit. I uh, got to see some actual live action. Uh, just kind of what was the energy like out there? I mean, it's, it's a whole different kind of training camp what was the energy like i thought it was pretty good i thought uh you know it's obviously hot so uh everyone's looking forward to uh going to icebox at some point but um i think guys are pretty excited definitely uh, Derek carr has guys uh in a good frame of mind the offense is really good the two receivers have definitely made an impact the two rookie receivers uh i think it's a good good lively spirit not too much hitting but uh i definitely a lot of competition and uh i thought it was a good uh, good atmosphere yeah, I think it was right in line with what we'd seen, you know, even the in the practices without pads on. You know, guys were pretty animated and upbeat and, and into it. You know, like Vic said, there's really not that much contact yet. You know, you might get a little, a couple of pops here and there, but they aren't tackling to the ground at this point. That's something that uh, I believe Gruden said he's, when we talked to him on Monday, says it's something that might happen within the next 10 days or so. Give it another week, we might see a, a little bit more hidden. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how, how they have to treat this camp because normally you don't see a ton of full live down to the ground contact in training camp. You know, if they have joint practices, you'll see it. You'll see maybe a couple of sessions, but they do have the preseason games where it's going to be full hundred percent contact. It's, it's all live. So without preseason games, do you expect them to kind of have to build in more of that in practice? I mean, because you can't evaluate, there's some positions that you just simply can't evaluate unless they're going full bore tackling a, a running back to the ground, for example. I mean, I know whenever people ask us in, in OTAs how a running back's looking, that's always my answer. Until there's contact, until they're tackling, uh, you really don't know. I think Gruden said, you know, they can only do so many walkthroughs and make so many evaluations from that. Um, obviously, they have to be careful with it. But, you know, they will have some some live contact sessions. You know, I don't know if the intensity would necessarily be the same as it would be in a preseason game. But you do have to replicate that to some degree, right, before you just jump into the, the regular season. I mean, these guys haven't played a real live game since December. You know, it's kind of hard to expect them to be ready for it if you don't have some sort of simulated experience. Yeah, it's going to be hard because I know you don't want to hit your own guys. You don't want to, like, risk injury to your own players. But at the same time, you have to make sure that it's real because, like, in past years, we'll watch camp, we'll make observations, take notes. And then you have your, your, your games come up. And a lot of the notes you've taken become irrelevant because a lot of guys disappear when the game starts. A lot of guys who look good in practice are not <laughs> not visible during the games. Like, it happens all the time. So you need that sense of reality to hit in. That's what – initially, you want to have that. So I need uh, something extra in, in practice to kind of at least pretend that it's real. Have guys you know, be a little more physical than they are so far. It's going to be a tough you know, line to walk for for John Gruden and, and the coaching staff. And they have to get in a football shape too, you know, because it's one thing to be in you know, shape as far as running and be able to endure some exercise, but it's another thing to get in football shape and to take hits and be able to get get up from those hits. And in years past, you kind of build up to training camp with OTAs and all those things, but you don't have that this year. This year, you're going straight into training camps. You don't have preseason games. They do have to start hitting each other to make sure they do get ready for the the physicality of the season. There's something different about when you wake up the morning after playing in a game. I mean, you just your body always feels different. And if you don't kind of stimulate that body feeling different, uh, you won't be ready for it. 
I did want to ask kind of a logistical thing because, you know, you talk about the heat and, and then practicing out there in that uh, in the mornings and they've got the ice box because they have the indoor facility and it looks like that's where they kind of stretch and warm up and then they go out outside to practice. Is that right? Yeah. So, we, so they warm up for maybe, you know, I want to say 20 minutes in, indoors and then they go outside and have the practice. And I haven't heard a definitive reason why they're doing it this way. I think there's some rumors that some of the players think the turf inside is a little too harsh at this point, but um I think as the weather, you know, definitely keeps up, at some point I have to go inside for, for full practices. But as of right now, they're doing it this way. I mean, I guess, you know, when you, what, they open up in Carolina, right? I mean, if you're going to open up in the in the heat and humidity, Carolina, I guess, part of it probably for training camp is preparation, seeing who can handle the heat. And it would seem like maybe that's something that as the season gets closer, maybe the regular season comes along. If the conditions are good inside that to just optimize that practice, you probably will eventually bring them in. That's rough. I mean, it's, you know, we, we were going through a heat wave in the Bay Area right now, and we're over 100. I can't even imagine going on a long walk in this weather. So <laughs> practicing with full pads on and over 100 degree heat, oof, that's, that's hard. Yeah, it's been pretty uh, hot as hell out here. I mean, it's like 113, 114 this whole week. You know, like Vic wrote about the other day, they do have a cooling box. Guys do go in there pretty often. They have pretty regular water breaks. I think probably four or five every practice, but it's still hot, you know, especially like you said, when it's fully padded and you're running and, you know, once you get contact involved, so I have to be careful with it. You know, you want guys to be ready for it, um, but you can't push them too hard. All right, Tashawn. Well, I know you wanted to dedicate the next 15 minutes here to talking about Derek Carr and uh, his new position, right? He's got a new position? Yeah. When we were going inside for one of those warm-up sessions, I was looking at the quarterback group and I only saw two guys wearing the red jerseys. It was... Mariota and Peterman. I'm like, where the hell is Derek Carr? And then like most times when they warm up, they have the the receivers and running backs sort of run these kind of decoy routes against defensive backs. Like it's kind of program where either defensive back is supposed to jump and make an interception or or you're supposed to let the other guy make a catch. And I see like Derek Carr lined up at the back of it with his with his uh, sleeves rolled up, red jerseys off, just has like the black undershirt. And he goes to run a route. It's like the ugliest route I've ever seen. And then like before he even gets a chance to go get the catch, like they blow the whistle to come over and stretch. So we didn't actually get to see what his hands are looking like, but he was he was in the line. He's got to practice for when uh, Lynn Bowden plays a little quarterback. He's he's got to be split out as wide receiver. Yeah, I was trying to tell people my little draft joke is coming true. I'm telling you, just wait. But you had Derek on the bench for that. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it all the way through. You know, it makes more sense to have him at receiver. You know, I, I can rock with that. That's fine. He's a starting quarterback. You can't just sit him down. But no, I mean, let, let's talk about the the actual receivers on this team because Vicky wrote about him the other day and. I mean, we've said this, I don't know how many times, oh, this receiver core looks really deep. And I mean, this one, it seems to have a lot of talent. Like you wrote it on a paper. It looks really good. It is unproven talent. I mean, you got to look at it and say that. I mean, Henry Ruggs, we have to prove what he can do. You know, Tyrell Williams is is a guy who's paid kind of like a number one, but has always been more of a number two. Hunter Renfro had a good year as the slot receiver. Brian Edwards, a lot of potential. Nelson Aguilar, Zay Jones, name all those guys. And it does look like a group that can be really good. 
but really like every Raider receiving core of the last, you know, however long, it still does have to prove it. I guess this year the difference is that there's definitely a sense of the potential, like the future. Like, like you look at these, this squad this year, and you definitely can see a year from now, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards will be the two starting receivers. They both have, you know, tons of upside. They both have flashed every day in practice. So you're pretty confident those two guys are going to be pretty good and definitely be starting a year from now. So now – where they fit this year is, is the question. You have a lot of talent around them. A lot of guys, you mentioned a lot of depth. Terrell Williams is back with foot injuries. Uh, Nelson Aguilar's had a good camp. So then Hunter Renfro, you know, one of Derek's favorite targets. So this year, I get the plan is to kind of make sure that all those pieces fit together. And each one has a different role. You can move guys around, kind of be unpredictable. Whereas I think there's definitely a plan for the future now where you see where it's going. So it's just a matter of getting to that spot next year. But this year is kind of making everything work together. But you can see looking ahead as opposed to the past years, there's clearly two guys will be starting a year from now at, at receiver. With the receiving core, there's no standout number one guy that you're, you know, you could just hang your hat on. But there are guys with different skills that you can use in different roles if you're smart about it. But I mean, it's pretty clear I think Darren Waller is a number one on this team. But just as far as the receiving core, there's no bona fide number one, but some interesting players. And the beauty of where they're at is because you've got Ruggs and Edwards on rookie contracts, Renfro on a rookie contract on his second year, that, I mean, if Renfro is basically the same guy that he was, especially toward the end of last year, which would put him in, in, in an upper half of the slot receivers in the league, you know, Ruggs basically lives up to the first round potential and Edwards lives up to all the hype he's getting. I mean, you're paying nothing for those three guys really right now. Barely anything. I mean, Rugg's making decent money as a first rounder, but it really allows you to kind of find ways to to just build this team up. Obviously, Jacob's still on, on, on a rookie contract. I mean, that's, I think, the beauty of it is that you probably have your top three receivers on rookie contracts going forward, you know, into the next couple of years. You've got your tight end, Darren Waller, locked up onto, a, you know, an expensive deal, but a, but a reasonable deal based on his production last year. And you've got Jacobs. That's really what this team needs. They need to have affordable talent around them so they can uh, can kind of keep building up this roster. Smart to sign Darren Waller last year to extension because if they waited a year after Kittle and Kelsey got their extensions, they would pay him a lot heftier price for Waller. Yeah, I was going to say something else that like fans have asked about. You know, like you mentioned with those three receivers, Ruggs, Edwards, and Renfro being on rookie deals. There's been a lot of questions. You know, oh, should they get rid of Williams now and just let Edwards start? And I'm like, they maybe be able to do that, but what's wrong with just keeping all of them? <laughs> you know, and just having a, a super deep, talented wide receiver room. You know, especially in this year. You know, with this virus, you never know who might be in and out of the rotation and you have this guy that maybe could start, you know, able to just step in and keep things going. So I think particularly this year, they need to just be happy with that depth and then we can, you know, move forward through the decision-making process in years to come. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants them to create cap room so they can go after whether it's Jadavian Clowney or Yannick Ngonkwe, who's reportedly maybe close to getting traded somewhere. I don't know that they really want to go spend that money. I mean, everyone just, John over Clowney, and I, I just, I don't know. I mean, he's a guy that is a talented player, but it doesn't always show up. I mean, it's it's not always there in the numbers. It's not always there in the production. I don't know that he's not going to get the $20 million he initially wanted. He's probably not going to get the 15 that he was getting offered earlier. I don't know that you want to spend that kind of money, even if, uh, you know, he would improve your defense. 
Plus, I'd argue that now, I think clearly Furl's kind of earned a shot. And obviously, he's a number four overall pick. But the way he worked this offseason, he gained the extra weight. He's definitely a little quicker. And he's really flashed away in camp. So I think you owe him a chance to really show he can be the player you thought he was going to be, or somewhere closer to that level. And you don't want to take away too many of his snaps. They already brought in Carl Nassib. So you got three ends right now. Farrell can move inside. But if you brought in Clowney, it definitely would impact uh, Farrell's workload a little bit more than I think you would like at this point. Because you want to see him develop. want to give him a chance to be the player you thought he could be at one point. Yeah, because Clowney would be playing pretty much the same position and playing the same role that Farrell would be, which is a guy that you know will start on base downs and can kick in inside and rush from the inside too. If you sign Clowney, Farrell might be on the bench a lot, especially during pass rush situations. And like you said, you want to see your first round pick get a chance to develop. Yeah, you got to give a, a little bit of a leash to a number four overall pick, I think. Yeah, he's showing this year, I think, again, like I mentioned, not only is he bigger and, and faster, but I think he's like, I, mean, I read the tape about uh, Mo Hurst mentioned that you watch him in practice and he, the game is, it's a cliche, but the game is slowed down for him a little bit. He kind of understands where things are happening before they happen. He can like think ahead now, plan ahead. So I think once the game slows down for you at this level, it's a big deal. So I do, that could be another part of the reason why he breaks through this year. All right, in terms of uh, th- this year's rookie class, kind of what are you know reasonable expectations? Do you think? I mean, everybody really wants to see Henry Ruggs, you know, first play week one, go deep, long eighty yard bomb, and you know they want him to be the Raiders version of Tyreek Hill. But if you if you look at him, Damon Arnett, Edwards, the rest of the guys that they brought in, you know, what what are realistic expectations for those guys? Uh, you know, who's going to come in and be the biggest impact rookie? The way I look at it, I think you'll have like, well, they have seven draft picks. I think three will have an impact, and I think four probably won't. I think Ruggs may not be the star right away, but he clearly has already shown he has the top-level speed and he has nice hands. He's a tough kid, so he'll have a pretty big role, whether it's um, stretching the field or maybe catching some balls in the slants or making the occasional deep plays, but he'll have a definite uh, large role. I think Edwards at some point will also be showing enough this year already that he can be a guy you can count on. He has a great hands and kind of plays like a veteran already. So at some point, he'll be a factor. That's two. My third one's Arnett, who I think might start. Uh, he has that nasty edge they like, and he definitely has some good cover skills. So I think those three guys will definitely have impacts this year. I'm not sure about the other four. I think um, it's early yet, but uh, Bowden's not really shown me much as far as top-end speed. I think it could be a longer adjustment than people thought it was going to be for him. Tam Hughes has been lost so far. Uh, Simpson's a backup guard. And who am I forgetting? No, the cornerback. And Meek also, he's kind of buried behind LaMarcus Joyner. So I think those four guys probably are looking more towards next season to have impact than this season. I was say, I don't know if there's any necessarily year one stars out of the group, but I do think that both, you know, like Vic said, both Ruggs and Edwards, as the season progresses, you know, they'll, they'll make a pretty big impact. You know, I think Damon Arnett, so far, it looks like he has the edge to me to become one of the starters uh, at cornerback. I think there's going to be some growing pains just with the with the secondary being so young in general. But their strategy, at least with him, seems to be to line him up across from whoever the, the bigger body, maybe a little bit slower receiver may be. Uh, I know, you know, one of his concerns coming out of college was maybe not having that top top end straight line speed and being able to keep up with, with NFL wide receivers. So maybe that's how they're, you know, working to account for right now uh, as he works his way into the system. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Lynn Bowden. I think just, you know, if he has a long way to go coming out of the backfield, I think his versatility is where he can make an impact. Um, they've had him split out wide, you know, wide receiver in addition to running routes out of the backfield. You know, his wildcat quarterback packages also as a return man, uh, returning punts, maybe even kicks. Uh, so I think when you consider all the different things that he can do and where they can line him up, he may not have a huge impact in any one of those roles individually, but I think overall, 
you know, he can make a, a pretty decent hit on their season this year. Yeah, I think if you get 800 yards from Ruggs, that'd be a huge uplift for the Raiders offense. That means he's able to get deep a few times a game and, you know, he's producing close to a thousand yards. I think anytime you try to predict that a rookie receiver gets a thousand yards, it's just unrealistic expectation, even though it does happen, but it's just very tough for rookie receivers, no matter if they're picked in the first round or or second round to live up to that kind of expectation. You get 800 yards from Ruggs, that'd be a huge win. And if Arnett could be a solid starter at corner, then I think that you had a hell of a draft if, the, if those two things happen. I was going to like throw out a stat line for Ruggs. If he catches, let's say, 50 passes, 800 yards, that's a 16-yard-per-catch average with maybe five, six touchdowns, that would basically be somewhere three to four catches a game, about 50 yards a game, and a touchdown every two or three games. Is that kind of the fantasy projection type number for him? That sounds good to me. I think they're going to cut the pie up pretty good. I think, like you mentioned, the receivers they have. And I think if people forget, last year Williams had five touchdowns the first half of the year before he got hurt. So he'll definitely be a factor again. So I think there's a lot of weapons at the receiver position. So I think those would be good numbers for him, I think, based on the depth at that position. Yeah, and I think even outside of receiver, I mean – you know how much they love tight ends. You know, they have Darren Waller, Jason Witten, you know, Foster Moreau coming back. They're planning on using their running backs more in the passing game. Josh Jacobs, of course, you know, he says his goal is to catch 60 passes. Um, as I said before, Lynn Bowden, uh, Jalen Richard has been big in the receiving game. So they just have so many options that they don't even, I think, necessarily need Ruggs to have a thousand yard season for the offense to be really good this year. And also, I mean, just looking at his college career, he didn't have a thousand yards in college. You know, that wasn't really. You know, they had a, a lot of weapons in Alabama, and that was sort of what he fell into. It didn't mean he wasn't a good player. Obviously, he got picked 12 overall. You know, he can still make an impact even if his season in totals aren't that big. I mean, this is a running offense, too, and Waller is the number one target in this offense. So I think if a rookie receiver like Ruggs gets 800 as a complimentary receiver in a running offense, that that's huge. Ruggs basically at Alabama, similar to Josh Jacobs. I mean, his best season at Alabama he had 640 rushing yards he had almost as many yards if he had stayed healthy and played all 16 games I mean he might have had more rushing yards in his rookie NFL season than he did in his Alabama career he had 1491 yards uh, rushing in college just because they don't have seven balls to hand out to all uh, all their playmakers there but I wanted to move on and uh, we're gonna all pick who do we think are the three most important players to the Raiders' success this year? We'll uh, we'll start with Ted on this one. Easily, you know, Derek Carr. We, we talk about it all the time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> He's got some weapons around him this year, third year in this offense. He has to step up and uh, play a lot better. And Malik Collins, he has to be a huge interior rusher. Raiders' pass rush has not been good for a long time. And um, they mentioned him as X-Factor. He's got to be lights out and... Trayvon Mullen, he's you know he's going to be their number one corner next year, and he's he's going to have to perform for this uh, defense to get better. All right, Tashawn. Yeah, I mean obviously Derek Carr, you can't not pick the quarterback. Corey Littleton, probably number two for me. I think he's their highest paid player on defense now. In that you know we've all talked about how bad the linebacker position has been in recent years. You know, they need to come, him to come in and, and be a, a pretty huge difference maker at that that weak side linebacker spot. Especially when they go to that their four two five front, um, both you know in the run game and passing game. I guess their solution to you know being able to finally cover tight ends and running backs, you know, he's going to be a big part of that. So he has a pretty big role. And I think number three, I'm going with Josh Jacobs, just because I think you know even though they have a pretty deep running backs room, I think the drop off from him to the next one is pretty sharp. And I think we saw that at the end of last season once he was out. And so 
you know, you can throw Darren Waller in there maybe, but I think they have enough options at tight ends to where they could maybe account for him for a few weeks if he's out. And even obviously we spoke to the definite wide receiver. So I think Jacobs takes that number three spot for me. All right, how about you, Vic? I'm going uh, to say not, not Derek Carr. I'm not going to say Derek Carr. I think there's enough talent. Screw him. Marcus Mariota. No, no, no. I'm just saying there's enough talent <laughs> on the offense. I think Derek's going to be fine. I don't think you need Derek to have a great year. I just, um, you could possibly, you know, obviously, in great shape and year three in the system. But I think he's, I don't think there's a huge, like, downside. Is he going to be terrible? I don't think, I think he'll be fine. If, if he's just average, they still might be good. So I think for me, it comes down to, I got Trent Brown, who's making, what, $21 million. He's missed the first six days of camp. And for whatever reason, if it's a rehab thing or conditioning thing, it's got to be a little alarming. I think, um, they need him to be a dominant guy. They're paying him to be, you know, the best right tackle in the NFL. And a lot of his offense goes through him, the running game, the passing game. So for me, he's a key guy. I agree with Deshaun on Corey Littleton. I mean, I'm so, all the Raider fans are very excited about seeing actual stud linebacker play. They're paying this guy to be a stud linebacker and all indications are, are that he is. So coverage wise, making plays. So I got to see that. I got to have an impact from him. And my third guy is also Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a big year. I think he'll be better than he was last year. Top five running back. I think he'll uh, be a bigger part of the, the passing game and just could be a, a star player you kind of uh, you know ride with. Like He'll be a, maybe a bigger factor than, than Derek will be as far as their success. So I think those are my three guys. All right. Well, I am taking Derek. The last time this team made the playoffs, it was largely because of how good he was. And so I think, uh, you know, they're going to really make some noise this year. They need him to be, you know, really good again. Um, I debated Trent Brown, also kind of debated Colt Miller. I I, kind of put them both there. I mean, I think they need those those tackles to really just make Derek Carr comfortable. And so they need Trent Brown to be the best right tackle in the league. And and Vic, you've talked about how guys on, on this uh, team think that Colton Miller can elevate himself into a pro bowler this year. And I, I think they need to see that, you know, him, him be the first round pick that they, that they drafted. Uh, and then my last guy is, is Max Crosby. I thought about Littleton, but to me, I mean, Crosby's the guy that I think can be the biggest playmaker on that defense you know we saw last year really good 10 sack rookie season you know four of those sacks were in one game he was really good and and now he comes into this year with expectations he's back off uh you know a stint on the COVID-19 reserve list and if he can really you know be more than just a one-year wonder if he can be a guy that is going to be a consistent you know double-digit sack guy he's good at forcing fumbles that's just as big to have a guy that you know can really make those turnover forcing plays i think uh you know they, they get him to be their big defensive play america i think that puts them in good shape so max crosby's my third one all right let's uh take some questions here before we get out of here um you guys can uh, send us questions always going to the uh, the comments section of the previous week's podcast or uh, when we send it out on Twitter, you can use the hashtag SOTN mail. We've got a handful of questions here from uh, the comments section from uh, from last week's show. First off uh, from Christian F. Have you seen Derek Carr out throw rugs and what do you make of their chemistry thus far? Yeah, I think it's happened a couple of times, but he's done a pretty good job of, of finding him on the back end. Rugs is... Well, we've seen whether it's the young corners or some of the veterans, they really struggled to keep up with him at, at times. You know, we've seen a lot of grabbing on the back of his jersey, <laughs> kind of riding him throughout the route. So, you know, they, they're starting to get a pretty good bond. Some of that stemming over from the summer with, you know, while Ruggs wasn't dealing with his injury, you know, he was able to come out to Vegas and get some practices in. So they seem to be clicking pretty well. You know, obviously, you know, as we keep saying, we can only tell reading so much how good things look now, you know, while there's not live contact. But it's looked pretty smooth to me. Yeah, I agree. I think um, you know, it's hard to, not to underthrow rugs. I think Carson the best job of the three quarterbacks not doing that. I think 
he enjoys having a you know piece of clay, two pieces of clay in both uh, Rugs and Edwards. He's had them over the house. He's you know done all kind of things and trying to get them in their heads and give them both encouragement and also some criticism, some tough love at times. He mentioned the idea with Edwards how he gave him some tough love. The next play, he did the right thing. So I think it's just an exciting time for him to have these two guys he sees as the future and he wants to be a part of that future. So I think he's definitely enjoying it and uh, yeah, it's, it's a great toy to have. I mean, it's the fastest guy, fastest guy in the draft. It might be a top what two or three guy in the league as far as his speed goes. So uh, it's got to be a fun thing to have for for Derek Carr. All right, question from Joey M. asked, uh, it seems that our lack of interior defensive line depth isn't talked about very much other than the hype around Collins and the potential of Hurst. There's not much else to rely on. Do you guys see us adding anyone to bolster this group? Snacks Harrison, maybe? He is forgetting Jonathan Hankins is is a guy that I I think they have always felt pretty good about on the middle of that defensive line. I think Hankins, uh, of the defensive tackles, he's the one that's the clear cut. You know, start obviously Collins probably is as well, but you know, there's a little bit of back and forth between him and Mohurst. But yeah, I think between those three, that's a pretty strong group. And then they have Daniel Ross, another former Cowboy. You know, he's been working with the second team as well. And then also Cleveland Pharrell in certain packages, he's sliding over to defensive tackles. So, no, I think they're pretty set at, at DT. Yeah, I agree. I haven't seen much of Ross, but obviously Marinelli is hiring him because they pretty much gave up on PJ Hall right away. So I think um, I think that's four guys that, who they they like. So for me, that's, that's that's not bad. Collins, you're going to have to play him on pass rush downs because that's what you signed him for. And then you know they talk about kicking Furl inside. So then you have those two, and then you have Hurston rotation and Hankins. It, it seems like a pretty set rotation to me. All right, question here from Damian R. asks, uh, why do you think Mariota has not appeared to be playing well? That's kind of a mixed question, right? Because there was the day that Gruden was hyping him up, but that was kind of more for what he was doing with his legs. But with the arm, not so much, right? I've not been that impressed. I mean, obviously it's, it's early. I don't want to kill the guy. But, I mean, the, the day that Gruden said that about he, he was dazzling, I was surprised because I just watched practice. I, was, <laughs> I had not been dazzled. But uh, <laughs> he, he obviously has the legs. He obviously makes plays with his legs. But that's not what we're looking for right now. We're looking for, to me, it looks uncomfortable. I mean, Gruden mentioned he's always – over his elbow issues, which I'm not sure if he had surgery or not, but we haven't talked to Mario at all. But to me, this the, the, the throwing motion and this the, the, the way the ball comes out doesn't look good to me. I'm having flashbacks of uh, Matt Schaub and Matt Flynn, so I'm, I'm not really sure yet. It's early. I don't want to kill the guy, which I just did. But, um, yeah, I'm not too impressed so far. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. He hasn't looked that great. You know, kind of the, the question we got about Carr earlier, he's missed some of those deep shots and even, you know, overthrown some some of the interme- more intermediate routes. And yeah, he just looks a little a little stiff. Um, he does have some some nice bursts when he does take off and run. Um, obviously they're not touching the quarterback <laughs> in practice, so I, I think it, even Derek Carr might look good running in practice. But uh, yeah, I mean you know he's he's still early on. Um, I know they've been hyping him up the whole time, saying that he's adjusted really well to the system and picking up things just really quickly. But just look, he needs a little bit more time. Uh, I don't think it's anything to, to panic over about this early on in camp, but. He definitely hasn't been dazzling so far. I imagine his head's probably swimming right now because he's coming from a system that's a little more simpler. They have their base plays. They're just going to run it a ton of different ways. And they're going to Gruden, who is just high volume, high volume game plans, high volume audibles and all those things. So I think he's probably swimming almost like a rookie right now. That's probably true. But to me, like even the plays that are first read throws, he just doesn't, for some reason, the ball's not coming out the way I thought it would. So I mean, maybe I had a, and people from Tennessee reached out and said that he was never really that impressive a guy in practice, which I don't know what that means, but I mean, that's not good. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody from a Raiders perspective that is 
trying to get excited about Mariota needs to remember. I mean, watch his career thus far. He's a number two overall pick who was allowed to walk after his rookie contract, had his job taken by you know Ryan Tannehill, who had basically been been pushed away in Miami. You know, look at how he's played against the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders, even with bad defenses, always beat him. And, you know, he never, never played particularly well against them. I would never walked away saying, man, that guy's really good. He's, he's a guy that is better than Derek Carr. So, I mean, he's a guy that over the course of his career has never been better than Carr. And to expect him to be the guy that's going to come in and push Carr out, just to, to me, has never really been all that realistic. Though the bar should be somewhat high because you're getting him $7.5 million this year. So, I mean, I mean, to me, I mean, obviously they targeted him early on. They didn't wait for the process to, to happen. I also could have gotten Cam Newton or James Winston a lot cheaper. But so this is the guy that they went out to get as number two guy and they gave him the money that they thought was worth it. But it's been all, all these offseason moves we've talked about, very positive offseason. But at some point, if we look back and, and we can kind of question maybe 7.5 for him, 7.5 for Carl Nassib, who right now is a second team pass rusher. Uh, Four million for Jason Witten, which I'm going to come around on, but still, that's twenty million dollars for three guys who may not have a huge impact this year. So maybe when we look back on this and we kind of dull from all the optimism, maybe those are things we look at. Jameis Winston would have been a fun backup just because he's like the total polar opposite of Carr. If he goes in a game, you might have you know a 400 yard, six touchdown game, but you know next game he might throw five picks too. But I, he he would have been a fun backup, I think. All right. Well, Vic already kind of started us in the direction that this next uh, and final question wants us to go. So uh, we're, we're in the right, on the right path. Uh, Justin Osborne asks, do you remember a preseason where there were fewer roster issues to be resolved? Please do all you can to stop us from starting to become overconfident. I think you just helped deliver that, Vic. Uh, that maybe uh, some of their free agency moves, the fringe moves that still cost a lot of money, is one area that uh, that could cause concern. Yeah, another question mark would be, I guess, Demarius Randall. I mean, he's a guy who didn't really play that well the last couple of years, and they're kind of handing him the starting job over Eric Harris. So we'll see how good he is. But it's another guy we're asking a lot of, not really based on recent production. So I think there is a lot of reasons for optimism. But if you look closely, there's three or four things that might you know make you take a step back and, and hmm. Kind of wander a little bit. Yeah, I think the lack of, like, I guess, open jobs on the roster. I mean, when you're returning 10 stars on offense, that kind of cuts it down a lot. Their issue last year with the offense wasn't moving the ball. They just couldn't finish drives and, and score enough points to win games. So I don't think there was much reason for them to shake up a lot on the offense. Um, and then on the defensive end, you know, they have almost five new starters, I believe, you know, potentially five or six new starters. So I think that's a pretty, you know, Fair amount of shakeup for a team that was seven and nine. It wasn't like they were all that terrible last year. Yeah, I think cornerback is the biggest question mark for me coming into next season. We, we all know how important corner depth is in this league. And, you know, Trayvon Mullen had a decent end of the year, and he's going to be the new number one corner. So he's going to have to take a big step up. And then, you know, if Damon Arnett ends up winning the starting job, he's going to be a rookie. We'll see how he's able to hold up. It just seems like, you know, if there's any injuries to this cornerback group, this team might be in trouble. So it's a big question mark for me going into next season. I agree with you, but like you got Prince Amu Kamara. It's kind of like that big warm blanket you keep in the closet. If things get cold, you bring it out. It's kind of like a security blanket you can bring in if you need something at cornerback. He's a solid pro. I think he's uh, not great, but he's definitely solid. I think if you have trouble with, I think Trayvon will be fine, but say Arnett has some growing pains, you can make that switch pretty quick, I think, and, and it won't be too bad. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, hopefully you guys can stay cool in Vegas. Uh, we're trying to stay cool out here in the Bay Area where we don't have uh, as much AC as uh, as Tashawn is now learning that the Bay Area is not 
overpopulated with AC. But uh, you guys will catch up some more practices and uh, we'll talk again next week and see uh, how much progress the Raiders can make trying to beat up on each other and, and get ready for the season. Vic, did you cook anything in your car this week? Oh, yeah, that's right. No, nah, dude, that was, that was a joke. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a serious on, prof- I'm a serious professional journalist, man. I can't be cooking up eggs in my car. Come on, man. I'm going to just get some Toll House cookies from Walmart. Actually, not a bad idea, actually. Okay, I might, I might try that one. I'm back in. I'm back in. At least that you could just leave on the on the seat of the car. You don't have to put that outside. I actually like that one. All right, I'm, I'm back in. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys again next week. Adios.